0: Tuesday edition, Bill Michaels show. Uh, A lot to get to. A lot to get to today. And uh, the Brewers, uh, I sat up last night and uh, watched. I was flipping back and forth. I was watching uh, the Monday night game between the Rams and the 49ers. Uh, More so with my own selfish interest at hand. And I'll explain coming up here momentarily. And then I also and I had some work to do last night. So I'm sitting sitting here in the office in the studio and I'm getting this stuff done. And I sat and watched the Brewers game last night and uh, give the Brewers credit, man. They're they're fighting. They come back. uh, They gave up the lead. Then they got the lead. Then they tied it up. Then uh, they came back in the 10th and Hunter Renfro with the uh, the base knock. It gives the Brewers the win and all it was kind of sad. Ben, did you watch the end of that game last night at
1: all? I had it on on the side, yes, With- there was I don't know fifty people in the stands <laughs> just uh in
0: extras for what we all kind of thought the inevitable was uh not a lot of people there to see that victory last night. The team was excited uh it was an exciting game, you know, but uh for the most part it uh it was anticlimactic in the sense that uh, your Philadelphia Phillies. Knocked off the Houston Astros last night and thus slammed the door on the postseason hopes of the Milwaukee Brewers. And now the offseason with two more games remaining gets underway. And I think we're all looking at, uh, you know, a couple of different positions, center field, third base, you know, possibly an everyday first baseman. You know, what are you going to do with certain areas, the bolstering, the bullpen? Some things obviously need to change. And uh, the interesting comment... Did you read Christian Yelich's comments? I listened to them. Yes. Okay. What
1: what was your takeaway?
0: Do we we have those by any chance?
1: I have it in full, but I can go find the specific one you're referring to. My overall takeaway, I mean, kind of defeated, but he talked about the identity, which was the biggest thing. He said they couldn't find ways to win, Uh, at least for me. Felt like he was referring to the fact that even when they should have won, the bullpen let them down constantly. Yeah, it was. He, he
0: also, in talking about an identity, and he, in saying it wasn't like teams of the past, I I found that interesting. I mean, I don't know if you did, but I did. I found that take rather interesting. Um. Just for the fact that I, 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 my first thought was I've seen clubhouses before. And this was something that I had a converse, and I'm trying to think who I talked to uh, about this because I don't want to attribute it to anybody that I can't remember. The, the bottom line was this. Clubhouses in the past, while you can put all this talent together, they can end up being very clicky. Uh, a lot of the Spanish-speaking players can be off to one side, English players to the other, uh, black players to one side. Um, it, it You know, it just, it can become, click, and it's not saying it's racist or anything, that's what I'm saying, I'm just saying it can kind of be path of least resistance, and friends of the the common. You know, you can have a lot of, I've seen it where a lot of guys are gamers, and they're all off to one side. And, you know, pitchers and, and certain players that like to play golf are off to one side, and you know there were some players that liked to eat in the cafeteria, and that's where they hung out. They didn't hang out with the rest of the team, and so it, it could be divided racially. It could be, di- and that's, and again, I'm not saying it was a racially charged atmosphere. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying just path of least resistance and commonality, um, where you've seen clubhouses be clicky. I don't know. I couldn't honestly tell you. I don't know. I'm only, I'm only throwing a hypothesis out there of certain things, but as he stated, it's not a clubhouse like it was in the past. It's not, a, it's not the same. And in the years of, you know, recent history, going back prior to COVID, it was kind of the one-for-all, all-for-one mentality. And I found that interesting. And the reason I found it interesting is because... The fact that he is—he being Christian Yelich—is supposed to be the leader, right? He's supposed to be the leader of that team. Braun was outspoken. There is that presence of Ryan Braun. Say what you want about Ryan Braun, but he was that leader. Um, but you can't throw that on Andrew McCutcheon because he's a one-year wonder. You know, you don't even know if he's going to be back. They brought him in as a piecemeal player. You look at a guy like Lorenzo Cain, he bailed on him during COVID for his own reasons, right or wrong, but he bailed on him and then came back and played horrifically. Uh, Rowdy Telez is an everyday player, some would say by default. He certainly earned it with his power, but with his average it's awful. It was complete. That is the epitome of all or nothing. Um, and going back to Christian Yelich, you can't be the man when you're not even living up to your contract. So, you know, who's the leader of that team? And that, sometimes you need that guy in there. So anyway, when you talk about Christian Yelich, you know, you can also say that when Ryan Braun left is when really the struggles began you can look at that too and say well the the struggles are real because his guy you know i mean look at Brett Favre Brett Favre once Doug Peterson left once Frankie retired once a lot of his guys left you know he was not necessarily in the in the locker room anymore he he felt like he didn't identify with certain guys so he kind of segregated himself to a certain extent uh but this was Christian Yelich last night talking about the team's Identity. Take a listen.
2: Personally, for me, I feel like each one of those playoff teams we've had kind of had a, an identity and a way to win. Like, we knew our formula to win the game. Um, meaning, like, just like offensively, defensively, pitching-wise, we kind of knew what we needed to do to win. And it's different every year. We had a different formula every year. But for whatever reason, I just felt like we didn't really, you know, have that this year we were, we we're obviously trying to win every game and, and play but um, there wasn't just like that um, feeling of like all right we just do this or we get in this position we're going to be all right and it's hard to build momentum that way and um, you know it makes you appreciate it makes you appreciate those good years and how it's not automatic to be in the postseason every year
0: so I don't know if you could catch all of that. The audio isn't the greatest. it's from uh, Adam Mcalvey, and he's doing it more for writing purposes than for uh, you know playing back purposes, but basically said in the years that they were successful, you knew the formula to win. pitching, hitting, bullpen, you know, things like that. Uh, he said this year we didn't know the formula. And let's be honest, the formula changed. It used to be get to the seventh inning. Get the lead, get to the seventh inning, and then it was, you know, slam the door time. And then when they made the trade, that, that that was no longer the formula. We didn't have a formula anymore. It was kind of by committee. So I found those comments interesting because the hitting was sporadic. The bullpen let them down. Um, the back end of the bullpen was completely disrupted by the trade, which was was and has been a joke. Um, And hopefully the young guys that they got that they were so high on all of a sudden become big time major leaguers. And then you can make us forget about this, this horrific trade. But it's interesting. And while there is dejection there, it's interesting to listen to him say, we did not have a formula to win. That's, I mean, that's concerning, isn't it? That's concerning. So the Brewers eliminated last night from postseason play. 877 um, 867 Uh Pat says immediately it's time to let council go. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm probably not the best guy to, I'm not one to fire coaches or managers right away unless I believe they lose the clubhouse um, let me ask you this when you start about when you start talking about firing a manager, you ask yourself did that manager have the horses to win because we had seen this even when they were winning we had seen this where, this team was all or nothing, you know. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I the the nothing happened in the second half of the season. pac fan says if you take what Yelich said as gospel, then Stearns and Council have lost the clubhouse. Start the rebuild. I, that's just it. I, I don't know. I personally think, this is what I think. I think the decision was made and I think it was pretty, we'll never know, but I think the decision was made. We will not pay a 17, 18, 19, 19 million for closer. We're not going to do it. Mark Antanasio doesn't want to pay it. That's what I think. I think David Stearns gave him an option to say look we can do this we run the risk of this but do you want to do it and I think Mark knew all along what was going on and said yeah let's let's do that let's let's if you think this is a good deal that we can you know get some prospects out of this and get some guys that maybe help the team let's take the chance cuz we don't want to pay that next year okay so they make the deal and as Lauer Woodruff other players that have stated it, it it was it was shocking when you're cruising along and you think things are good and you've got a legitimate shot and suddenly your front office disrupts that. And either one doesn't believe in you or two does something out of the sake of money. You can't look at them anymore and say you're all in. You're going for it. You think we can win a championship because now you're about the money. I think and this is just my opinion. I think council had knowledge of it, but did not pull the trigger on it. And I think council went, you know, well, if, if that's what you want to do, I, I guess, you know, I mean, it, what are you going to say? No, I completely disagree with this and then walk away. You know, I mean, I'm sure he was not necessarily on board, but knew about it. David Stearns had a job to do as the general manager and president of the team with Matt Arnold. And to look at Mark Atanasio and say, this is where we can save the money. He's coming up on contract. He's going to go through arbitration. We have to think down the road. You're talking about your budgets. This is what we're going to do. And then subsequently after the trade went bad and the outcry became deafening, Mark Atanasio turned around and threw David Stearns under the bus. That's what I think happened. So now where do you point the blame? Do you point it at David Stearns? Do you point it at, Marc Antanasio, you know, if you're a player playing for him, the, the problem is now here's your track record. You've done it. You screwed us in the past. So what makes us believe now that you're gonna not going to screw us again? Right? The trust is gone. And from some of the players' comments both on the record and off, the trust is like, okay, you keep telling us you want to win a championship and then you do something like this? You take away a guy that was a piece of our clubhouse? You take away a guy that was playing well for us because he had a bump in the road? I also think that some of this piecemeal talent this year put together, some of the talent was just overestimated. And that's a good possibility, too. You took a shot. You know, you, you try to put some pieces together you thought would help, and, and they didn't, and they failed. And... For that, you know what, you tried. And and that's that I can say is acceptable because it not it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. Sometimes you take a shot, it works. Hunter Renfro was a, a terrific addition. How they ended up wheeling him out of here for Jackie Bradley Jr., pff, there is some naked goat picture somewhere. I have no idea. So that's a positive. But some of the other issues, eh, you know. I think it was just one of those years where you were teetering, and instead of putting your thumb on a scale to give yourself more benefit, you took it off, and it collapsed. And I think that's what happened. So now we'll wait and see what the the Brewers do in the offseason. I think, first of all, you got to make sure that you have your managerial positions locked up, your general manager, your president, you got to know if David Stearns is going to be here. You got to know that you're moving forward with or without Craig Council, which I think Craig's here. I, I I don't I don't think he's going anywhere. I would be, I would be somewhat shocked if uh, if Craig Council were, were to be let go. So I I think all of that is going to be let's reload and get back at it again next year. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I want to get to a lot of the comments over here on the uh, on the Bud Light live stream as well i do want to tell you coming up in the next hour i had and this is a true story so we get into october um and october is the month of spookiness and all that kind of stuff and i know you know i get it um and i've had some weird stuff happen to me in my life you know last night was one of the most bizarre things and I guess I can explain it away. But you tell me coming up in the next hour if the hair on your neck would not stand up. And this is an absolute hand-to-guide true story from last night. So I'm gonna tell you about that in the next hour. Stay tuned. Stick around. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this.
2: This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. <laughs>
0: Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show brought to you by our friends at Quick Trip. Don't forget at Quick Trip right now, they have going on the opening drive sweepstakes. You can purchase any of Quick Trip's fully guaranteed gasolines with a quick rewards card. Just type it right in, right there at the pump. Get the gas. You're loaded. You're ready to go. And if your name is called, yes, for the opening drive of the Green Bay Packers, one weekly winner is going to receive a $10 gas card For every yard earned on the Packers opening drive, how about that? That is from our friends over there at Quick Trip. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. Uh, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you until everybody's on the network. Casey wants to know, oh, my God, you can't tease us like that and then walk away from it. Yes, I can. Coming up in the next hour, I'll talk about it. But true story. What's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you, Ben? Where you had to think to yourself, is this like part of supernatural or something?
1: Well, that's a loaded question. Having to come on the air the day after uh, Phillies break their eleven year playoff drought, yeah, and not say much about it, stay reserved. Well, that's not spooky. I know. I don't. That's not off the top of my head. I don't think I have anything.
0: I I'll I think. remember year, years ago, and this this is another one of those true stories. But years ago, we had oh god, it was two thousand and. Three or two or four or something like that. We had a we had snow in the month of December. We had like sixty inches of snow in December. I'll never forget. We it was just one of the snowiest December's ever, and we were living in a townhouse. Uh, and this is back when I was married to my wife Judy, and um, so which to it, I, it's weird because it involves her today, but um, the, uh, the 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 na- neighbor we lived in a townhome, and our neighbor was for lack of a better term, just a pain in the ass. He just just always pounding on the walls about something, always and we weren't like crazy neighbors. We, you know, were two people with jobs, good jobs and kid and, you know, the whole thing. But um he was always coming over and complaining. And it was a morning in which the snow was coming down like crazy and uh the school was schools were closed. So Rami slept in. And uh, Judy's work had closed, but I had to go to work. But I got up early in the morning. I had just had a load of wood delivered uh, the day before the snowstorm. And I had stacked it on the side of the house and some of it in the garage. And it's snowing. It's a bright day. It's, it's a, that white, bright, snowy, bright day. And so it was so deep, you could see about eight inches of snow on top of the well pump. Uh, the top of the well pump out in front of the house. And I'll never forget this. We're sitting on the couch, and uh, the guy from the next door neighbor walks by. Couldn't really see his face, but he walks past. And to this day, we, her and I can give you the exact same description, wearing one of those Elmer Fudd hats, you know, the high hat with the ear flaps down. It's green with the flap in the front up, kind of a blue and white, plaidish checkered plaid type of like a, a a flannel jacket with like a sweatshirt, like a hoodie underneath it and the hood behind him, like khaki boot, you know, baggy pants and boots and gloves and walk past the front window of the house. And, and she look cause she looks at me and she goes, Oh God, what does he want now? You know? And I said, I don't know. I, and she looked at me and she said, look, I'm, you know, she had just gotten up a little while ago and she was in big fuzzy pajamas and her fuzzy robe. And she's like, can you just get it? I don't want to go to the door like this. I said, yeah, you know, so I waited and the doorbell never rang. And I thought, well, maybe he's just checking something. And so I went around the back of the house, the side the, to the side in the back. And I looked and he wasn't there. And I said, well, did he go back? And she said, no. I said, I wonder where he went. She goes, I don't know. Maybe he's stealing our wood. So I kind of opened the garage door and I looked and didn't see anything. I never thought to look, you know, anywhere else. I just closed the garage door. So she said, well, he's, he's got to be doing something. wonder what he's up to. So I said, well, okay, I'll get up and go look. So I went to our front bay window where he walked in front of and chills. Not a footprint in the snow. As God is my witness, we both saw it. Not a footprint in the snow. And I looked at her and I said, what did you see? Because before I said anything, I said, what did you see? And she described, she said, well, you know, Bob went by. I said, did you see his face? She said, no, but, you know, he was wearing this, this, and this. I said, come here. And she went, oh, my God. I mean, we both freaked out. It's not like we were sitting around doing shrooms the night before, you know. We had to get Rami up for school and everything, if indeed he had school. And it, it, it to this day, I, I, I'm I like, wow, okay, I'm a believer. There's something else beyond us that's that's around there, so. I know it's weird. I know it makes me wacky, but so today something that I can kind of explain away, but very bizarre happened in that same realm. And that's coming up. Now I can hear you breathing. What in the world? Like, I
1: yeah, just
0: it's the truth. Is this the day we're having? It that's that's the truth. Man. That's that's I usually tell that around Halloween because people always say, Well, they do or don't believe, but um, uh, I the, I don't know what it was. I don't know. Yeah, I, I have no idea, but there wasn't a footprint in the snow, you know? So, I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I believe, I, I became like a believer in that stuff when my son passed. And when my son passed away, there was a moment that I had that I knew it. And sure enough, like 15 minutes later, I get a phone call. And so you know uh, that I believe you know there, there's something there, but yeah, this was beyond that. This was physically seeing somebody. So I will say this: it uh, it, it it's a, a somebody who I had not thought about in a long time. You know, um, just a weird scenario happened last night. I didn't think anything of it. And I got up this morning, and I, I called my ex-wife, Judy, and I said, hey, you know, have you talked to Mark and Leslie lately? No, no, no. So I'll tell you about that coming up. Tell you about that coming up. Uh, getting back into the Brewers topic, um, let's see here. Uh, Jared said the Brewers, in my unofficial opinion, they just really need another reliable bat. So uh, they take all the, all the pressure isn't on Yellich. Uh, but Rowdy did kind of step up in a big way this year. Uh, but we need more production than that, and, and that's true. I mean, when you look at what Rowdy Teles did, uh, you you I mean you obviously can't deny the, the the home run power. Okay, let's start there because what Rowdy Teles did: thirty four home runs, eighty eight RBI. Think about this: you had thirty four home runs, didn't get to a hundred RBI. Still, still, uh, if he had two huge days, he could. But more like Willie Adamas. Willie Adams drove in ninety eight. Usually, it was always you know close to thirty five home runs, a hundred RBIs you know your total bases a few stolen bases and your strikeouts would outnumber your your walks which is normal uh but this year so far with a couple of games to go rowdy telez 34 home runs 88 RBIs 120 strikeouts which for for a power hitter like that that's not bad in 525 uh, plate appearances that's not bad 62 walks but a batting average of 2.19 on base percentage of only 306 If he was hitting 245 to 255 with 34 home runs and such, that would be a massively different story because that leaves his war at only 0.7. That's it. Whereas, like a guy like Adamus, 31 home runs, but still a batting average of 236, 297 on base percentage, which is still below 300. His war is 4.4 but 165 strikeouts and only 49 walks for your shortstop. Hunter Renfro, more reasonable. 29 dingers, 72 RBIs, 257 average, 318 uh, on-base percentage, 814 OPS, 2.8 war. That's a, a much more manageable number if you have some consistent bats in the lineup. But that's the top of the line when it comes to batting average right there. Two fifty-seven. now Garrett Mitchell don't forget I mean he had 296 but and I know that people are all excited about Garrett Mitchell okay don't get me wrong and I am too but I'm still wait and see because we saw this out of Keston Hura come in set the world on fire give you power numbers give you average all over the place he is the future and then couldn't hit his his way out of a paper bag for a couple more seasons And he was up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And he raked in the minors, couldn't hit the majors, raked in the minors, couldn't hit the majors. Had a lot going on personally, I understand that. But still has not been that guy that we remember coming up in the Atlanta series uh, three years ago. So I still am going to reserve judgment, uh, final judgment on Garrett Mitchell until I see him play an entire season. But after that, you know, Hunter Renfro was 257, Yelich was 252. I heard you guys talking before uh, we went on the air today, Ben, about whether or not yelich has got two games to get his one dinger, which would put him at 15.
1: Yeah, I've been tracking. I didn't want to lead the show with that, although it could be the most important story.
0: Yeah, which, which I get it. But remember, we started off partial uh, to the season, and we said, what would happen more? Do you remember that conversation? Christian Yelich RBIs or Cincinnati Reds wins? Yes, I do. Yelich trails the Reds by four. The Reds have 61 wins. Yelich, 57 RBI. He could end up losing out in both categories if he doesn't hit a bomb.
1: I could defend Yelich there and say he hit leadoff for three months. Didn't get a lot of opportunities. Well... Let's
0: be honest. Aside
1: from the obvious uh, of yeah.
0: him struggling.
1: Uh, he was hitting leadoff
0: because they didn't want to put him at 7th or 8th. Truth. And he, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat prior to that. So, but yeah, it's uh. 14 dingers, 57 RBIs, 157 strikeouts, 87 walks. So a go- a good eye at the plate, the most walks in the team. 355 on base percentage, that's not bad. But his slugging percentage, OPS overall, uh, are down from where he was, which are just legitimate numbers. 877-867-1670, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Wabam. W-A-B-A-M, go to getwabam.com. Terrific cleaning supplies, terrific uh, supplies for... Your car, your boat, your motorcycle, ceramics, polishes, you name it, they've got it. They're local right here in the state of Wisconsin. And go to GetWabam.com. Congratulations to the Wabam race team, too, because they had a really successful season. Uh, not only off the track with uh, the uh, the growth of the product, the propriet- proprietary product, but also on the track. Did a pretty good job this year. Had a lot of success. Had some races that were run by Matt Kenseth. So good year for Wabam. Go to GetWabam.com. G-E-T. Get wobam.com again get wobam.com more of the bill michael show next
2: covering wisconsin sports like a blanket this is the bill michael show on the wisconsin sports zone radio network
0: Good to have you on board. Thanks to our friends at Pindell, a quality machining manufacturing company right here in our area looking for good people. Especially this time of year, you're starting to head down the home stretch of the uh, 2022 season. Maybe you want to start 2023 on the right foot. Mo money, training, good benefits. uh, And that could be our friends at Pindell or maybe you're a quality manufacturing company yourself. And uh, you're looking for somebody to help you out with some parts. Precision parts and such, they can help you out. That's Pindell, P I N D E L. I'll go to Pindell.com. That is Pindell.com. Now, this is from Van, who says, if you are going to be changing things, as he says, rebuild with the Milwaukee Brewers, then don't you feel you just have to start fresh with a new manager? As much as I like counsel, I think it's time for him to go. That is from Van. No, um, I don't think this is a teardown okay I, I okay in your eyes of what a teardown would be, what is a teardown? What is a rebuild? you know what are you rebuilding? are you just if you're saying rebuild, are you just blowing everything up? You're just Corbin Burns trade him away uh you know Brandon Woodruff ah we can' not pay him trade him away are are you are, is that what your rebuild is? And you're just going out and getting a ton of pieces in place? Or what is your rebuild? So that I think that's first and foremost. You have to ask yourself the question, what is the rebuild? What would that look like? And then kind of go from there. You're not going to trade away Yelich, Okay, let, let's be clear. I mean, unless you're going to pay a majority of that salary, which is what you don't want to do, you're not going to, you're you're not going to trade that. You're not going to be able to get rid of that. So Christian Yelich is through 2026, 2027, well, all the way into the, the late, you know, whatever. McCutcheon, free agent. You've got Colton Wong under an option, a club option for this upcoming year for ten million dollars. You've got Hunter Renfro who's going to go to arbitration, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, you got to make a decision on him. Uh, you got two more years of arbitration. Twenty twenty five is when Woodruff finally becomes an unrestricted free agent. Same thing with Corbin Burns. Both of those guys right now are being paid uh, ju- just under seven million dollars a piece. So they're going to go up exponentially. You're going to have to pay that, but you're not getting rid of one, you're not getting rid of those guys. Narvaez, he's an unre- unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Willie Adamas, you got a couple more years of arbitration. Uh, Brent Sooner, you got another year of arbitration. Urias, three more years of arbitration, only making $2.5 million a year. That's going to go up, though. Freddie Peralta, he's under contract. You don't have a club option on him until, what is it, 2025 or 6, something like that. But he's not killing you. He's making 2.4, 3.7, 5.7. He took the money. Right? You've got Jace Peterson, unrestricted free agent. Boxberger with the club option of three million dollars this year. Otherwise, everybody else is either under team control or arbitration. Uh Perdomo is an unrestricted free agent. Ashby is here and not costing you too much. But you you you're this is what a kind of a rebuild looks like. John says Woodruff's going to command twenty million a year. True, but he's not going to get twenty million a year until twenty twenty-five, right? So you're not up against the clock this year. So what are you going to do? that, that that's that's you know, the the free agents coming up are going to be. Uh, Colton Wong Andrew McCutcheon Taylor Rogers and again Colton Wong is a a club option but he could be a free agent Taylor Rogers Omar navayas Trevor Rosenthal what are you gonna do you're it's not like you're sitting here today going oh my God we don't have any players or we got so many big name contracts we got to blow it up you don't you really don't. In terms of total contract, your biggest number, by far, is Christian Yelich at twenty six million. It's going to be twenty six million a year for a long time. You don't have anybody right now over ten million dollars. McCutcheon's eight point five, eight point five for Wong, seven point six for Renfro, and on down from there. That's it. So it's not like you're paying these big contracts. you got one big contract. Now, next year, you're going to see some guys get up over 10. No doubt about that. But that's it. You've got one big contract. And you're still paying, uh, you know, uh, like next year, you're going to have uh, Lorenzo Cain making a million bucks. Uh, you've got some deferred money. And you got prospects coming up. But other than that, you don't have anything so when you say rebuild it are you just tearing it down for what you know i mean for for what you got controllable contracts so there to me you're not tearing it down you're replacing some of the bad with the good and that's it that's that's my take on it maybe the maybe the brewers feel differently but You've got that albatross of, of a contract of Christian Yelich, and that's not even that big in today's day and age. Right? That's not, even a, that's not even an insurmountable contract when you look at some of the other ones that are out there in Major League Baseball. 877-867-1670. Um, and, and talking about Rowdy Telez, Rowdy Telez, what is he making? Um, and I apologize for this. I, I had this in front of me, and then somebody just asked it. Rowdy Telez for arbitration next year. He's going to get a lot of money because right now he's making 1.9. 1.9. 1. 9. Pac Fanny says it's, it's big for him because of the output. No, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. For the output for this team, yes, it's big for the down years he's had since the day he earned the contract. I completely agree with that. But if this were the Yankees, that would be like, eh, whatever. Dodgers, eh, who cares. But the Brewers, that that's a boat anchor, man. Completely agree with that. So I'm not – the Brewers aren't tearing it all down. What, are they, what, what do they have to tear down? Think about that. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show.
2: Covering Wisconsin Sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers reviewed their twenty-seven to twenty-four win over the Patriots. David Bakhtiari took nearly all of the snaps at left tackle. Sitting out just one series, he logged seventy plays into overtime Sunday night.
3: Awesome. Love it. It'll be three and one. It's a good spot to be in right now. Um, soak it in, and then obviously turn the page quickly and move on to London against the Giants. The
2: Giants beat the Bears twenty to twelve, but had a lot of injuries. Quarterback Daniel Jones suffered a sprained ankle, but had to return to the game when his backup Tyrod Taylor suffered a concussion.
3: Yeah, I mean, I know I was going back in. I thought, you know, I knew we'd be creative, kind of, on how we'd scheme up certain runs to to keep it moving forward, but. Uh, you know, I knew I was going back in. I felt good about it. Running back Saquon
2: Barkley rushed for 146 yards as the Giants improved to 3-1. and one. First of all, you got to give credit to DJ coming back in the game. Um, you know, that's, he's, uh, I can't curse, he's a tough, you know what. Packers safety Adrian Amos left the Patriots game with a concussion. Matt LaFleur says he's proud of his team despite having to play a full overtime period to beat the 1-3 Patriots.
1: You know, there, there's a lot of things that I thought we did really well. But there's a lot of things that we have to clean up moving forward. We're going to have another 3-1 and team in London. And you look at the Giants and Saquon Barkley is definitely a force. And he's one of the premier backs in this league. And there's a lot to clean up before we go and we get on that plane to go to London.
2: That's Packers head coach Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show.
0: This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Potawatomi Hotel Casino, PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig.com. And they have all kinds of good stuff going on right now at Potawatomi Hotel. And thanks to Potawatomi, by the way, for all their support of uh, Fisher House. And that is going to be where we hold, uh, Fisher House is going to have kind of a town hall gathering for some of the sponsors and some of the people that have been interested in it and such. And. So thanks to them for saying, hey, come, come here. We'd, we'd love to have you. So they've got a lot of stuff called Give and Take going on now through se- uh, November 17th with the Firekeepers Club card. They have got uh, the October best Saturdays all the way through the end of the month. Saturdays in October, about to be the best ever. Club members can rake in the Firekeepers Club reward play or up to 5000 in cash. So a lot of good stuff going on at Pottawatomie Hotel Casino. Go to PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig. Dot com. Let's go to the phone calls. Talk to Kevin, uh, listening to us in central Wisconsin. Kevin, how are you doing today, man? What's going on?
3: Well, so it's a beautiful day up here in central Wisconsin. The colors are really start, pop out, but so it's not a too bad day. Awesome. So, on the Brewers, um, you know, when they made that trade for Josh Hader, you know, to me, like you said, it was them dumping money. I mean, obviously, you want to try to get as much as you can for him because, I mean, obviously, next year after next year, he would have been gone. They would have had to pay him big money in arbitration. I get all that. But when you listen to Christian Yelich and talk about the the, um, they had the formulas, they had, you know, winning those games back in the days when they made the playoffs, obviously, he's not a rah-rah guy. It's going to maybe step up and, and try to fire up the team, but... You, I mean, you need those guys. You need to find somebody that's going to be that rah-rah guy so you don't have those, maybe those divisions in the locker room. And also as a coach, as a head coach, I mean, you would think that you would want to try to avoid that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I know these guys are professionals. They, you know, compared to a college team or a high school team, you try to, you would think that you would almost have to try to go, try to go old school as much as possible to get these guys to have that form and get, get, to get along, right. you know if you don't have that, that rah-rah guy. So that's why I think, I mean, Coulson was never a really rah-rah guy when he was a player. I mean, to me... No, and, and then, he was and a I, cerebral
0: I could... guy. He, he's always been that way. But then again, don't forget, he also had two of the most ind- intricate plays. He scored a run and drove in the w- winning run in both World Series that he was in. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and then you could pretty much see the emotion. I, I, I don't know if I... In baseball, it's so hard to be a rah-rah guy when... It's such a long season, and it's such an individual sport until the ball is put in play. It's so different. Tell me, a, tell me a manager that's a rah rah
3: manager. There, I mean, there in, as in baseball, there probably really isn't any, right. unless you want to watch Major League and see you know have Lou would to be right. the, the rah rah. You know? But yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in baseball, you don't really see it. Um, do you think, do you think that maybe we have to maybe get get that way? Um, um it's such a long season. 161 games, you know. And
0: I mean, when you talk about fiery managers, what we used to remember was, uh, you know, Tommy Lasorda in the dugout and Earl Weaver getting into it with umpires and Lou Pinella being a screamer and a yeller and throwing bases out into the outfield. You know, I mean that those were the quote rah rah guys, but uh, ultimately they were relatively cerebral in the in the in the dugout. But um, you know. Those days are done. I mean, you know, you're not going to have those kind of fiery guys because it's just there's no reason for it anymore. Now it's all about analytics and statistics and matchups, and you need guys that are more cerebral, I think. At least, you know, because I'm just – I mean, think about it right now. Tell me a manager that sticks out. You got maybe, what, Dusty Baker, the ultimate players manager, who's winning down in Houston right now? You know, I – Right. Do you really believe that Boone is the big rah rah guy that the you know the Yankees? I, mean, I I think ultimately what we can talk about is it comes down to talent. You look happy, you look good, you look energized when you're winning, and when you're not winning and you're going through a tough stretch night after night, it it drains you. And I think that's what we're seeing
3: right now. Yeah, I mean, but but as a but as a good coach to I mean, and I and I think this is like I said again. This is my opinion. Is that when when you come to you know, coach in Wisconsin. Right. You basically become vanilla. You know, you don't, you're, you don't want to, you know, and I know there's coaches out there other, other teams yeah. that are this way. They're hard, you're hard-headed. They don't want to make a change. But, boy, if something's not going right, you just got to, yeah. and you think that you got to make that change.
0: Kevin, appreciate the phone call. Let's talk about that when we come back. Let's talk about that when we come back. Because if there's a specific area that you can point to, and say, this is the reason it's not worth. Sometimes you just need change for the sake of change. I just, I, again, it's going to take a lot to convince me, and you know why. One hour down, three yet to go, a lot to get to today. And in the next hour, I will tell you, hand to God, true story, that uh, it, it made the hair on my neck stand up this morning when I, I figured it out. Uh, I'll tell you about it. It's coming up. Stay tuned. A lot more to the Bill Michael Show right after this.
2: The
3: Bill Michael Show podcast.